You're listening to the Yoga Teacher's Helper, a podcast about how to become a better and more successful yoga teacher. With Anastasia Shevchenko, the founder of the Berlin Yoga Conference, and Nadezhda Gapova, founder of Yoagna Yoga and Nonstop Yoga Festival. Hello, you're listening to the Yoga Teacher's Helper, episode 8 Fresh Yoga Teacher Sequencing and Class Structure. With you, Anastasia and Nadezhda. Nadezhda, would you like to start this episode with just a little intro of what it's going to be about? Today we are speaking about sequencing, sequencing for your practice at home and of course sequencing for your classes. It's a big topic. You studied a lot during the yoga teacher training and it's never-ending story because you will always deal with this topic while you are teaching or you are practicing for yourself. Uh, sequencing is a creative act. In fact, a great yogi master is really an artist and occasionally a philosopher. You can bring your own understanding of the topic, of what you want to say, and you can really pack it in a specific package so that at the end the sequence will kind of glow, be really a living thing. To sequence, you use your creativity and personal insight, get that from your own practice and life experience. That's for sure. So there are definitely like a million ways that you can sequence something. And uh, you can create a flow of postures based on some specific topic, on a theme. And what you're doing is you, you are telling a story through a sequence in the class. You are talking about an, a subject. Uh, you have maybe a, a person, a character in the sequence, it, the character could be uh, an idea, the character could be the, the person who is doing yoga, the character could be one of the uh, famous yogis or one of the gods from uh, whatever, the Ram Ramayana. There are just so many possible ways how you can structure a class and sequence and how you could creatively uh, put uh, different asanas together leading towards a certain build-up having a climax or maybe a couple of climaxes and then have a closure in the end. Traditionally, we start practice yoga with sun salutation and some dynamic exercises to warm up. Then we are doing standing poses to strengthen the body and learn how to balance. Then we are going in the seated positions, doing some special exercises um, in a sitting way or lying down. Usually you use this alternation between forward and backward bends. That means that you let your blood flow up and down and create uh, this uh, special effect of the movement in the body and of the uh, cleansing the body and the mind. And you can observe it in the sun salutation very directly. It's always going up and down, like your head going up and down, back, uh, backward and um, forward bend. But also after that, when you are practicing, you are doing more or less compensative pose and use your body like a pump to start to move the blood and the energy in the body. At the end, there is always a closing sequence, something to calm down. And uh, also at the end, you are more, uh, you are warmed, really warmed up. So you can do some more challenging uh, exercises, maybe something that you are working on. And you are cooling down by some back uh, bands and then longer Paschimottanasana maybe, so that you're really prepared at the end to go in the final relaxation. There is some uh, thing I really like to use, but it's my personal style, personal way. I'm not always doing this like this. Uh, at the end, after um, 
um, cooling, like coming down and becoming more subtle and more slow, I get up and I let all the students get up and we do some balance exercises because at the end you are mostly balanced. And it's again the final uh, change between going down and up. So we were down and now we are going up so that at the end you can do much better um, Shavasana. So if you haven't done it yet, this yet, you can try it out, how it uh, works. And I know that some people were really amazed and uh, asked, wow, I never met it before that um, after this cooling down, coming to the ground, normally you go to Shavasana and then we just get up and do some three poses and some balances as you like. You can more um, do more um, challenging poses for balance, really, or more slightly versions and then going in Shavasana. But that's that's my personal Oh, that's really cool. I've never actually heard about that before, but I could see how valuable it is because basically what the balancing postures are, they're not just these postures for the physical body that you have to stand on one leg, on one hand, or on your whatever. It's also a, a direct reflection of your state of mind. If you feel balanced in your mind, you will have no difficulty balancing in your body because that's what is required for yes. physical balance, mental focus. And it's beautiful that you can, in the end of the class, show to the people directly the effects of, of the practice that you did together on their balance, physical and mental. I mean, it's probably one of the greatest lessons that they could directly see and experience exactly, uh, yeah. at the class. So basically, to summarize it once again, um, traditionally... <laughs> <laughs> traditionally you start by warming up your body because you you need to be warm in order to work with your muscles and with your joints and with your uh, bones with your vertebra so if you you probably know all of this that if you start working out without being warm you might actually injure yourself so there should be certain conditions met before you start going into your practice and that is you have to be warm and this is why sun salutations or some type of some type of dynamic exercise is always used as a warm up of course afterwards you follow with a, a, a number of standing postures and the reason why we do them uh, in the beginning of the class is because um they're, they they have very um, specific geometrical shapes that are easy to follow for people, you know, like the usual postures that you associate with yoga, the triangle pose, the the warrior one, two, three, the, the tree posture. These are the, the postures that really help you to open up your body, open up the joints and also to strengthen your body. And then once you are past that point, then you can go into the seated postures and lying down on, on the ground, on your tummy, on your back where you go yet deeper into specific aspect or specific um, body part and then of course like uh, Nadia said a really great word there is always this compensation between forward and backward bend and the reason for that is because uh, anatomically speaking it's it's very good for your vertebra to have first um, a forward bend or, and then a back bend and then maybe a twist in between to create the optimal conditions for the nourishment of your discs because as you know probably from anatomy or biology 12 you don't get circulation into your vertebra after a certain age 
And this is why it's very important to do yoga and to um, flex and um, bend your spine so that there is a, an increase of the circulation in that region. And that's really healing and it's really stimulating your nervous system. And of course, the forward bend is associated with calming down effects of, 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 the, of these kind of postures because you stimulate your parasympathetic system, the rest and digest one. And the backward bends are the ones that are more stimulating and invigorating and giving you energy. And here you're stimulating your sympathetic nervous system, which is the one that is associated with stress. And it could be like a negative word, but it could be also a positive stress, something that really stimulates you to, to feel the, the life and the strength in your body. And then, of course, afterwards, you can um, do some um, postures that are challenging, something that you would like to get into, to practice, and then you do your closing postures. Usually, you know, the sequence where you do like um, a little back bend and uh, shoulder stand and maybe like a fish. And, and of course, um, here you can be creative. Uh, Nadezhda mm -hmm. does a balancing posture afterwards, and then you, you take your rest at least 10 minutes, right? I mean, yes. depending on how long you practice, mm. if you practice 15 minutes, then maybe five minutes Shavasana is okay. <laughs> but if you practice like 90 minutes, take at least 10 minutes, because this is where you reap all the benefits of your practice in the Shavasana. This the is most where challenging pose. <laughs> yes, the most challenging pose. This is where you really observe all of the things that just happened to you for the past 90 minutes and you really have to come down before you go and do something else in the world. Otherwise, if you don't come down and don't take this rest, this Shavasana in between, you know, the practice and doing the rest of your activities during the day, you will just be... Um, unrested you will or, be yeah. um, wind up you will be nervous not not balanced <laughs> not way. balanced exactly and yeah. and remember we're doing this to create more balance <laughs> <laughs> so when you are looking at a sequence that you want to create there are a, a few classes of asanas that you can work with and there are the following there are the balancing postures, so everything that makes you balance your body weight against gravity. Usually the balancing postures you do on one side of the body and then on the other side of the body. There are the stretches. Um, so the stretches is a very um, big class of asanas. You know, um, it, there are all kinds of openings. It could be uh, the things that stretch your legs, could be the things that stretch your arms, the things that create more space and more room um, in different parts of your body. And some people think of stretches as like these leg stretches, like hamstring stretches, like from ballet or whatever, which is another aspect of it. There, there are just um, so many different stretches that you could do in your body. Then, of course, there are back bends and heart openings. So, you know, those are the postures that could be very intense or it could be like the variations that are more in preparation for the more intense ones. Then there are the hip openers. So all the things that really help you to open the, the sacrum, the, the lower back, the tension around the hips that forms because of sedimentary lifestyle and so on. Then there are the twists. So this is where your body twists it could be a seated twist, it could be a standing twist, it could be a twist or a well-known posture such as the moon posture, like the twisted moon posture or the twisted triangle. 
Uh, and then there, there are also the, the twists that could be done when you're lying down, like the kind of twists that you usually use in the end of the class, you know, where you ask the people to bring your knees to your chest and then bring the knees to the right and open the arms and look to the left. So these kind of poses. There are the arm balances. So everything where you have to hold yourself with your arms against gravity without having your legs or your lower body on the floor those are usually the the, the nice looking instagram kind of type of photos <laughs> and of course guys are usually better at arm balances because of their physiology and because of the anatomical differences that we have between male and female bodies guys are usually stronger in a chest um, and they can support themselves in the arms better because of that and then of course there are the inversions so inversions is everything where your head is uh, you know where it usually is not <laughs> and um that's usually it, it's down next to the floor so it could be like a headstand or it could be a handstand and your feet are up in the air of course there are also easier type of inversions like the shoulder stand and the inversions also can fuse with other postures such as arm balances for instance you could do like an arm balance inversion which is the handstand scorpio so these are the main classes of asanas and once you have the them structured in your head then you can have like a basic skeleton of your sequence what you want to create what you want to achieve and you say okay here i need the standing postures here i need the back bend here i need the hip opener and then you choose which specific asana from the class of the asanas you use for that specific sequence based on if it's for beginners intermediate or advanced and other factors that you need to consider when you're creating a sequence. Yeah, Anastasia, completely agree with you. You're speaking about creating a classification of asanas in your head, kind of uh, making uh, some uh, rules, some order, so that you can use it very easily. It's kind of making um, order in your cupboard. Yeah, and what I would like to add here, there are different types of classification of asanas. Uh, Anastasia was uh, speaking about this um, type of asana itself, so for balancing, for stretching, um, for making you strong and so on, but you also can classify the asanas according to your body and say, okay, there is asanas for my legs, for my stomach, for my bag and arms and also neck. And also, um, this is yeah, very well if you can um, have these asanas structured for you. And the other way to structure is to say, um, I structure according to my muscles and bones. So, uh, for example, we take the ankles and we can flex it and stretch it and rotate. Mm -hmm. So you can go all over your joints and uh, think how I can move them, how I can move my um, parts of the body according to itself. For example, I can open my knees and then there is specific rotation in my muscles and I can also sitting, uh, try to close, for example, one knee to cl uh, close and then the other one. So you create the other rotation and the other movement in your legs. Now I'm speaking about this and uh, you can um, use different kind of muscles. So um, if you think in this way, um, you can, um, by end of the class, create a feeling that the whole body was worked out. And I would say then... For you, if you have these different types of classification and different types of understanding, uh, how I use the asanas, what for, how are they created, uh, 
then you can make your sequence more juicy. Yeah, yeah, and that's really well said, Nadezhda. In the end, what we want to achieve is we want to work through the whole body uh, instead of focusing on that one specific thing that you really want to do because that's what you're really into these days. Because if if that's what you do, then you're kind of like missing out on on this opportunity to to really holistically embrace your being and to create the conditions for the union between the body and the mind. Yeah. How to sequence? We were speaking about the classes. Then um, what kind of sequences? What kind of stories we would like to tell? And here um, again, uh, different classifications. The first one, we could say, I just want to learn some uh, specific type of the asana. For example, today I'm working on balancing po balancing postures. So I structure my class as I'm working, uh, warming me up, and then go through all the balancing postures in standing position, in sitting position, in lying position. Maybe there is also some possibilities to, for example, balance on your fists when you put them under your down back and a lower back and try to balance your body on your fists. So that's one type of sequencing. Um, you can also go on a specific health-related topic. For example, you want to work on the, yeah, very classically pain, back pain and do all the asanas that would be pain-revealing and also strengthening the back. But here again, it's... Um, You will not work only with your back, of course, because back is uh, kind of connected to your legs. It's your center, it's your yeah. inner axis. <laughs> yeah, and of course, the belly is very important. If you have strong belly muscles, then your back is much more supported and revealed. So, um, but out of this point of view, you will structure your class completely different as on the other way. Very typical in some um, yoga arts is uh, stru uh, stru uh, structuring the class on energetic centers of the body and say, okay, today we are working on our mula bandha and then you will do all the practices, also maybe some... Um, breathing exercises or um, drishti um, exercises or chanting, or chanting exactly, uh, to work specific on this um, center. Muladhara um, chakra. Muladhara. Yeah, I said Mulabanda. <laughs> <laughs> Muladhara chakra, yes. Or you really you want to tell some story. Um, for example, you say today we're um, working on being open, open uh, to the world and really um, embracing the world. And then, of course, you will do some heart opening things and so on. But it will not be working on the heart opening. It will be on working on creating the feeling that you are open, that you are perceptive, that you also accept what is coming. Or that can be just a point you want to bring across um, to say, Today we are trying to do practice that connects to a special yoga art or to special kind of practice and you want to show something special to your uh, students and then you create the sequence in this. Yeah, you can always combine like um, the physical and the, the philosophical aspects of yoga. So for instance, you could do a practice where you go over your yamas and niyamas. So you name them in the beginning of the class and then you you try to incorporate them in your practice and you speak about them throughout the class. It really is up to you and your creativity, how you do it. There are just so many possible ways. Just remember never to lose this uh, flexibility and this creativity because very often what happens is that we're all so busy and we're all so stressed out and then you have to teach like 20 classes a week and then in the end you teach the same class over and over again. And the point is 
that you could have done so much more. And all it takes is just a little bit of inspiration. And before you try out a new sequence in your class, the suggestion that we have for you is to always try it on yourself. So when you practice for yourself in your own self-practice, you are coming up with some interesting concept for sequence. And so you're doing it in your body and then you're observing what is happening to your mind and how you feel afterwards. And then you can deduce, assume that this would be an experience for the people that you give it to. But if you just come up with something out of nowhere, <laughs> you know, just write it on the paper with nice images and you haven't really tried it out and you just give it to a class this is a little dangerous like you have to be responsible about these kind of decisions you have to first test like a good scientist yeah. tests you have to things. know what you are doing <laughs> yes. yes of course if you're like a new teacher and you still don't really have that sense of how to structure your class then just stick to the basics stick to the traditional class uh, sequencing um, depending on what kind of uh, methods uh, or yoga style that you did your teacher training in usually you get this kind of information mm. from your teachers and just follow on that for some time for some years until you feel more confident to explore other possibilities exactly what are the positive things of having a sequence a set sequence a set sequence of course you are much more focused on doing not only the exercises but uh, on your breathing on your feeling the body because you know what will come you don't need to look uh, or wait what's next you really know your routine and you can work on the more subtle things in your body You can really discover the subtle aspects of the postures that you do regularly all the time. You can really reflect on your own state of mind and body energy. And it uh, will be a kind of meditation, not physical practice, but meditation through the movement, what you can achieve. You make your progress more quick. You work all the time or yeah, repeatedly on the same postures, so you will progress on them much faster. What I'm using sometimes and I like to do with my students, I do some short sequence and repeat them maybe 10 times. For example, it's kind of like sun salutation, but just different one that you repeat and repeat and repeat. So at the beginning, when I do the sequence, um, it contains maybe five, five exercises, and they learn the Um, the postures, the sequence, and then they have the possibility to go in more subtle things. So they learn this small sequence in this lesson, and then they go more deeply in the feelings. That's kind of possibility. But what are the negative sides of set sequence, Anastasia? So when you are working with like a yoga method or... Um, it doesn't have to be a specific method, but if you're working in such a way that you have a set sequence... Uh, all the time so whenever you practice or whenever you give it to your students the the negative aspects could be that you know it's it's a little boring for some people because <laughs> because like people love to come into class and be entertained right they want to try out many different postures and and see what what can they do and kind of like play around and 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 uh, challenge themselves and and explore the new possibilities um, at the same time you may you may be stuck at certain types of asanas or your student may be stuck they cannot progress beyond that one specific asana um, because their body is just not able to do that so what do you do are you going to tell them okay well sorry you cannot uh, continue you just have to like whatever practice it for another 
another 20 years until maybe you do make the progress in that one asana that keeps you from, you know, from continuing with the sequence. Uh, of course, uh, some teachers are more strict about it. Others say, okay, don't worry. Uh, not all the bodies are able to do everything. So you can always do like a variation and then you progress with your asana. Uh, but it really depends like which method and which yoga teacher you are working with together or you believe in yourself. So another negative aspect of having a set sequence is that the practice itself can become automatic. So you kind of like already know the practice, you know the sequence and you're quite good at it. So you come on a mat, you know, and you have a lot of thoughts and you just keep thinking about uh, things and keep solving your problems while doing your postures because you already know them anyway. <laughs> so, so that's another negative aspect that could come up. Finally, I would like to speak about this idea of like discovering your own creative impulse. So when you are a, a teacher or a practitioner yourself, you want to give yourself and your students sometimes the, the ability to explore and to make a choice. So some teachers actually go so far as they say, okay, and now is the time for this kind of asana, uh, or you could do another type of asana, or you could do this other variation. So what they're doing is that they're inviting their students to actively co-create the sequence mm -hmm. in in real time. And that gives uh, a little bit of like this nice feeling of being empowered by the teacher to um, to explore what it is that your individual body really needs at that moment. And of course, uh, another thing that I can observe, like especially coming from the Ashtanga yoga community, is that having a set sequence that you practice all the time can be very comforting and very soothing. Like, you know, you you kind of like organize your um, your world or the, this chaotic world, you organize it in a very set, in a very specific controlled way that you know what to expect. And sometimes that has a negative um, impact on your mind because you become too rigid in your thinking and you make it into your religion. You really mm -hmm. say, okay, well, this is the only way to do it. And then everyone else who is not doing it this way, they're all wrong. <laughs> and it happens very often. And also in other methods as well. When you are used to doing something a specific way all the time, it's natural. It's human psychology that you just want to propagate it all the time. And you kind of fight when uh, someone tells you, no, you know, you could actually do it differently. And you feel like offended or attacked almost when someone comes along and and you know destroys your your structure so don't lose your mental flexibility uh, when you are practicing the same thing over and over again remember the danger of that yeah that here i would like to add a bit um, out of my own practice or and my own practice and teaching method i i'm i'm not using the set structure i'm using uh, small sets of uh, sequencing that come together like blocks from my experience of teaching yoga for the good class i would say the 80 percent of the asanas or sequences that you do are uh, repeating And maybe 20% um, all the time you are uh, adding some new elements or maybe you're working on some new asana or you're adding some sure. new aspect. So that um, that is to keep fresh the class if you don't want to stick completely to some set sequence. And um, because if you will uh, all the time 
do completely new sequence to your students, they may be may, may be also a little bit uh, mixed up because they can't work progressively on on their own practice, on their own asanas, and all the time they're doing something new. Then maybe one day they will also say, "Wow, I have to go." <laughs> <laughs> I have just some a uh, question to um, Anastasia, and um, I know that now she's doing regularly her Ashtanga practice in some Ashtanga school, and I know also that. Uh, Organizing a yoga Berlin yoga conference um, needs a lot of power and strength and um, structure, structure <laughs> and will. So maybe you can also mm, give an advice for different life situations. Mm -hmm. What kind of practice or sequencing you would suggest? Mm. That's a nice question. Um, cool. Okay, so I try. Basically, I would say that it really helps to practice regularly. So it's not really important what do you practice, but that you have that inner willpower, that impulse to practice six, five times a week, no matter what. I mean, this is the strength of the Ashtanga method that um, I was gravitating towards in the beginning and, and, and something that I also learned to, to strengthen in, in my own body, in my own mind. This idea that, you know, you, sometimes you just have to do something, even if you don't really feel like it. I find personally, because of the way I am, some people, you know, especially coming from other methods that are more flexible, like vinyasa flow or whatever, that say, oh, you have to listen to your body and if you feel like you don't want to practice today, then just don't, you know, just sit and breathe. And it's like, it's like, it's really cute. It's nice. And maybe that is the case, like 1% of occasions because you like have a trauma or you have your really bad period and you're in pain or some other thing like you you have a, like a stomach bug you know you're just sick yeah so don't practice don't don't force yourself to do something that is obviously wrong but it's a bit dangerous to rely on this kind of like inspiration for practice because like i can tell you that the world doesn't really work that way it just you know the when you are working in the company or when you're working on your own project you cannot rely on this idea of you know today i just don't feel like working or <laughs> i'm just not showing up to the office today who cares you know i really have to listen to my body and maybe some people do that like they call in sick or whatever i don't judge there are many different situations but i think it really has to do with the sense of willpower and responsibility not only to yourself but also to the people who depend Uh, on you or depend on your work or depend on what you do. So having that uh, balanced with your own kind of like need to take a rest and take care of yourself is very important. So you are telling that practically it's not about how you practice, but it's about that you are practicing. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So learning takeouts for today. Think what will help you thrive in your practice. Do you need a set sequence or a free flow? The second question is, based on what works the best for you, what makes sense to teach to others? That is about your personal experience. Uh, that is very important. And actually, it's difficult to teach something that's not um, deal with your personal experience because then you are not authentic. The last question is, what are your needs at the moment and what are the needs of your students? How can you balance these? 
in this way you just the sequence that you prepare for the class to the students you have after some time you will have some sequences so that you can really make a variety on the class so you are looking at the class and say okay today i'm doing this one and it's actually a very good idea for the new student uh, new express yoga teachers uh, to create your own sequences maybe five six seven maybe even more uh, for the different topics so that you bring it with you on a list and then you have your support you have your structure you have your plan and you don't need to think during the lesson what you are going to do next Awesome, exactly. So in episode number nine, Fresh Yoga Teacher, we're going to speak about fears around teaching and public speaking. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the Yoga Teacher's Helper. With you were Anastasia and Nadezhda. Feel free to connect to us over our webspace, yogateachershelper.com, over Facebook and our email.